hard times don't create heroes. It's during the hard times when the hero within us is revealed. What a great quote by Bob Riley. Welcome to Heal, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Welcome to this episode of Heal. I'm really excited to meet this woman and talk with her. We haven't met previously to this recording, so I'm excited to hear her story. Her name is Lindsay Boudreaux, and she is also a certified clinic coach, just like our last guest. She's a certified clinic coach for limb loss survivors. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. I'm a little cold today, but... <laughs> By the time this episode is released, it probably won't be cold anymore. But today, yeah. my friends, it's cold. It's cold yes. where I am. I have an electric blanket. But other than that, I'm fabulous. I'm excited to hear your story about um, how you became a clinic coach for limb loss survivors. It seems like such a specific niche of people. So I can't wait to yeah. hear why you um, decided to help others in this area. Yeah. So tell us your story. Start as early as you want to. Yeah. So I guess the first part to kind of segue into my desire to help people, um, right out of undergraduate, I went and received my MSW in clinical social work. So I already was kind of in this helping profession, wanting to you know, make a difference in other people's lives. And um, so that was always kind of a core value of mine. And in 2011, I sustained a foot injury and had several failed foot surgeries. Um, it was kind of a long, complicated mess yeah. on top of having a undiagnosed condition called charcomery 2 which is a- Yeah, what is that? Can you say it again? Yes, yeah, so Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease. Okay. So it's an inherited neuromuscular neuropathy. Oh, so okay. it affects sensations in um, kind of throughout the body. Sometimes things are oversensitive. Other times there's a complete absence. And kind of where that matters is through kind of the surgeries and kind of another accident I sustained on that foot where I stepped on a nail, I knew I stepped on it, went to the doctor, they were like, it's fine. But then subsequent issues, it, it wasn't until two months later that I realized my foot was really infected from Is it that. because you weren't feeling the pain, but you knew that it happened? Right. Is that why you, yeah. yeah. So how did they say it was fine? How did they, I guess I'm yeah. confused because. Well, when I first went to the doctor, they were yeah. like, oh, it was a clean, clean, yeah. clean wound. nail. Um, yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, nothing's on that nail. <laughs> and um, and especially it was in the bathroom, so gross. <laughs> um, and so when I went, they were like, okay, it doesn't look like anything major. Just put some best tracing on it for a week. You'll be fine. 
Um, well, I wasn't fine. I started feeling sick. They ran all sorts of tests for cancer, mono, autoimmune, nothing, nothing, nothing until it became really apparent that it, my foot was infected. So I tried for another year and a half with surgeries, oral and IV antibiotics, nothing worked. And so it got to the point where it was, my foot was starting to show signs of kind of early sepsis. Right. And how so are you even I, living, be, I don't know how you can live with this for this long. <laughs> it was a lot of perseverance. I mean, I was still working full time. Right. I had doctors who a year prior were like, you're probably going to have this amputated, but right now just quit your job and apply for disability. And I was like, I'm in my mid twenties. I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to keep working. Oh my I'm God. Doing what I need for my life. Um, yeah. And, and just made it work. Um, I think that that's the thing. Don't, we, don't we, don't we always just make things work until it's too yeah. late and it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Honestly, oh, even like, before, oh, go ahead. no, you go ahead. Even before what? So even before I had the amputation, my doctor, he said, you know, I think you'll be okay. If we wait a week, we can schedule it. So that way I could have time to wrap things up at work. And even the day before my amputation, like I was in the midst of crisis situations at work and just kind at of work. doing my And you thing. were managing yeah. that yeah. and not yeah. yourself and your own crisis situation. Um, yeah, looking back at it, I'm like, oh, should I have been doing everything that I was doing? Probably not, but that helped but me how can, I you can't, mentally you, cope. I was, yeah, I was going to say, how can you even change that at this point? You can't change right. it. Um, yeah. it's, it's one thing to learn from that if you're ever yeah. in a situation again. However, you know, you can't change it and you can't beat yourself up either. Right. For making yeah. the decisions you did when you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had the amputation with, with that, you know, there certainly was a lot of kind of physical pain, trying to just adjust to the new normal, kind of managing all the emotions with, you know, a very significant change to my body right. and the way that I lived life. And I remember, um, you know, walking into the hospital and it was like, okay, that's the last time I'll be walking with both feet. And that such I was a, like, I feel okay about it. Yeah. And later that night, because of the type of prosthetic system that they had, I woke up with a prosthetic, a very temporary one. And I w- went to get out of bed and I'm like, I don't know how to walk anymore. Like my brain just like did not know how to operate the prosthetic. So obviously there was a lot of rehab involved as well, you know, at the three month mark, I was already back to work. Wow. FMLA time is notoriously lacking. And that three months really isn't enough for a surgery like this. But, um, you know, I think both mentally and financially, like it was like, I need to get back. I understand Um, that. Yeah. (laughs) And I understand that even though I said before, we tend to not take care of ourselves and you're doing your job up until however, you know, whatever time, and then you went in for surgery. Sometimes we do that as a, as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to deal with a big loss and instead of facing it, facing it emotionally and mentally full on, 
we bury ourselves in our work and our responsibilities and it's easier. (laughs) Just easier. Just do this. Yeah. And I had a, well, and still have a really robust support um, kind of group of people supporting me um, as well as kind of being in and out of therapy for myself. And so there were places where I was getting additional kind of emotional support. Right. And for me, taking that step and getting back into work was part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was like, you know, just sitting at home doing PT like once or twice a day. It just kind of made it easier to just sit there and kind of wallow. And I agree because that's all I need. It's all you're thinking about. Right. You don't have anything um, else occupying your um, thoughts and mind. So mm-hmm. I've always been, I mean, through grief and loss and losing family members, just go right back to work until I, you know, until I have a, a commitment, you know, like a wake or a funeral to attend. Right. I don't need to be home. I am sad. I'm processing those emotions. But going to work seems to be the better option for me because I am, um, you know, buried in my work and I am staying busy and it's keeping that those big emotions at bay temporarily, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so I understand that completely. That is, that's my MO. <laughs> like, just yes. go back to work. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, my work is something that I've enjoyed over the years, even though I'm no longer at that job. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I just always have found, you know, even the wor- kind of the worst experiences, the most intense situations um, with kind of my work site, it just, you know, being able to help other people and feel like, okay, you know, yeah. I am making some difference Yeah, really just helps. And so I think that's what helped kind of get me on this path to where I am, you know, today. Yeah. And within the first year, I was certified through Hanger Clinic's peer program. So I very quickly started doing peer support visits for brand new limb loss survivors. Was that your idea going into that? Or was that someone saying, I think you'd be really good at this? Or like, what was, what, what caused you to become a peer support just because it's who you are? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the person who runs that program in my area, she was actually a peer visitor for me. Yeah. And she started up a limb loss support group, mm-hmm. which I, within month two of that group being in existence, I was involved pretty regularly for quite a while until kind of work conflicts came up with the schedule. And she mentioned that she was holding a training program. And I talked with her because I knew it was a little bit early than what they normally say. They usually want at least a year post amputation to do those sorts of visits. But I think because she regularly knew how I was doing because of this group involvement, she knew that it was a social worker and still Your working experience alone. in the field. That, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. That it just made sense yeah. to you're the perfect, do it at that time. You're the perfect person to be involved and help others. Yeah, yeah. But at the risk of your own recovery and mental health too. So she was, she was certain that you were ready. 
Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we kept in, you know, communication. Um, There aren't a lot of people in this area who go through amputations because it's, you know, I don't know that there's, I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I don't know that there are a lot of people in general in this country. I mean, I understand, of course, people go to war and they have lost limbs, Um, but I maybe know one person Mm. in my whole life, you know, now I know two. (laughs) There you go. Right? So I can't imagine that the support for this is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it depends on location. I mean, Massachusetts has a lot of resources. Yeah. You know, Spalding Rehab out in Boston yeah. um, has a big program as well for people in the Lamas community because that's kind of one of the hubs in New That's England interesting. And, I, I'm, and I'm here and I'm like, who knew? Who knew? I knew it was a I knew it was a big rehab facility and I've visited many family members there. Um, however, understanding that um, I don't know where you're coming from. I'm sorry I didn't even ask. However, yeah. I you're not here, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm in central Massachusetts. Oh, you are? Hey, yeah. girl. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, I thought maybe it was an, more of an international um, hub for rehab. And that's what you were getting at. I didn't realize you were in Massachusetts, too. Hi. Yes. Hi. Did you get snow? Um, Side, I'm going off on a tangent. Did you get snow? Um, we didn't over this weekend. I know some places got a little you bit. seven um, inches over here. Like. No, there definitely is a lot of grass patches out there. Wow, um, jealous. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, sorry. Yeah. So there's a great hub. Yeah. Let's go back to the conversation, I suppose, even though I could talk about almost anything at this point. Yeah. Um, this is super interesting. So go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, you know, I kind of proceeded on with life. Um, and then I began to have some issues with my other foot and this was more directly related to the Charcot-Marie tooth piece that I referenced earlier. Um, had to have some surgeries on that, but like everything is stable because I now know what to really yeah. do to care for myself. Yeah. Um, and kind of through that process and then with COVID happening, um, I, I decided to go into private practice for therapy for mental health services. And I've loved that my practice is full of driving. Um, I have a great group of clients that I work with. I'm able to have the flexibility that I need to still work and be sustainable financially while also engaging in more self-care time. Good. Um, so I actually only work a few days a week. Um, I work three days. And kind of through that, I was like, okay, I love the therapy work, but I want to do something more. And I didn't know kind of what that more was going to be until I learned about the Clinic Coach program. Yeah. And that was just kind of a Facebook ad that popped up. I didn't yeah. personally know anyone in the program. It's like right at the right hand. time, right at the right yeah. time, right when you were supposed to see it, something that yep. is meant to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I joined the program, initially thought, um, because I used to supervise 
other therapists as well as interns. And I really enjoyed that. So initially I thought of doing a program for other therapists, but as everyone um, kind of learned about me and my story, they were like, you were showing way more passion and commitment towards people in the limbless community. And they were like, maybe you want to think about doing that instead. And I was like, oh my goodness, why didn't I think of that? We don't. Um, and at first we don't. it was hard. But we don't think of that. Yeah. People see things yeah. in us that we don't see in ourselves. And thank goodness, because usually those things are, you know, beneficial for us to understand and know mm-hmm. that we are good at this and we don't see it. I think, I don't know why could be a self-worth issue, who knows, but um, yeah. oftentimes people mention things, you're really good at this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it just came so naturally. Like, I, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just, you know, like you're good at these, this group of people. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't mm-hmm. see that, but thank you. You know, and then yes. I, it just brings it to light that this is what you should be mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So how long ago was that when they said you really are leaning toward this group? That was August of last year. Um, Cause I'm still within um, it's a year program. Mm-hmm. So I started in May kind of on this mm-hmm. one track and then have shifted and, and, you know, still in the building stages, obviously it's Perfect. You know, brand yeah, new, okay. but doing a lot of research or yep. kind of research and networking um, kind of getting the word out there yep. Um, yep. with some people who are, you know, already demonstrating interest in what's being offered. And it's not just kind of working one-on-one with me, but also having various resources that I myself have called over the years for me. Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> I've done this work, you know, I want to make it as easy for newer women loss survivors, like not quite in those early, early days when people are in rehab and just kind of starting out where there may be kind of more intense emotional needs. We're really trying to kind of hone in on how do I make my life the best? Right. It's almost like the integration, the integration phase, like transition phase back into your life. Mm -hmm. What's available to me now that I'm at this stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I love it so far and just, you know, the amount of research and the conversations I've been having with people. Um, it's been really amazing so far. And so tell me this, so right. who, yeah. who are the, you work with people who have lost a limb and you work mm-hmm. with them in the stage of um, when they're ready to sort of get back into their life and you provide mm-hmm. resources for them. Um, what other services do you provide? Mental health services, therapy? Do you do you also utilize those skills during these sessions? I'm assuming you have sessions with people. Yeah, so it's a look, coaching is different than therapy. Um, yeah. A lot of coaching programs are geared towards kind of lay people who are interested in just making a general impact. So they haven't had the degree of training um, that I've had that other people who are involved in this program. And so really the clinic coach program is for mental health therapists who are wanting to make a transition into coaching. Yeah. And so while we draw on some of those skills 
um, certainly the interpersonal skills and some of the other things that we've learned in our training, we're not actually providing therapy, which is why I made that delineation of not being in that early stage working with people. Um, I either do that in my peer support capacity or they might be a better fit for therapy with me or with someone else, mm -hmm. but they couldn't then move on to coaching. It's all kind of these ethical <laughs> boundaries and lines. Yeah. Um, so say I'm like, you know, at the peer support visit, you know, I wouldn't be able to kind of then advertise my program and kind of get right. people involved um, with that. So, you know, some of the things that I do are certainly kind of psychoeducation with people that are involved in my program using a lot of things like mindfulness, um, kind of radical acceptance, these kind of more foundational level concepts that can be used to help create mindset shifts yeah. um, to move forward. So the goal isn't processing as much about the amputation itself, but okay, given where you are today, what can we do to help you continue your journey? That's right. And move in a, a direction that feels good and hopeful and right. holistic. Positive. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because again, you can't go back. We have to move forward. So mm -hmm. you're here now with this situation. How can we move forward in the best, most pos positive way possible? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the other thing. Way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. The other thing too is that with my therapy practice, I can only see people who are in the state of Massachusetts. That's right, yeah. Because um, that's the only state that I'm licensed in. I mean, yeah. certainly I could go ahead and be licensed other places, but that's not something I'm interested in. Whereas coaching, because there isn't that level of licensure to kind of manage, I'm able to see people throughout the country, but also in others. Yeah. You can make such a big well. impact. Yeah, you can make yeah. a huge impact across the globe. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so and I bet you, you that will. I think helps offset the like yeah. okay there's only so many people in the state of Massachusetts per year right. <laughs> who have an amputation like I think you know annually it's like 150,000 in the U.S. wow so you whittle that down with 50 states um the numbers are going to be quite small so yeah that helps kind of broaden who I can potentially work with Right. And, and I know that you probably would love to reach all of those people and, and help them because that's who you are. I mean, it's all about helping someone through something and an ordeal that might seem like you'll never get through, you know, for any given person, it could be different for everybody. And I'm sure it is. Um, but, you know, suffering any sort of loss of our, quote, normal life is traumatic. Yes. And uh, we're already living in a time that's traumatic. So mm -hmm. adding this to it is just so much more. And um, your service just sounds amazing. It sounds, oh. it sounds great. I love it. Thank you. How can people get in touch with you if they are listening and they um, either know someone or they themselves could use support like this? Mm -hmm. So my website, lindsayboudreau.com, has more information about my services, as well as a free guide, um, which are some of my top 10 favorite tips for kind of moving forward in the one last recovery journey. 
I also am on Instagram under Lindsay Boudreau Coaching. And it's, it's Lindsay A-Y. Yes. And it's B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U Coaching. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm going to put all of this in the podcast notes for everyone who's listening. Perfect. Um, but I'm writing it down. So I do have to <laughs> make sure I get yeah. it right. Because, you know, <laughs> there you I'll, go. I'll probably screw it up. Lindsay Boudreau Coaching. All one word on Instagram. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And anywhere else where they can get in touch with you, your website is probably the best. And just to follow you for, um, what do you post on Instagram? Do you post, uh, what, what, what is your feed like? Yeah. So on my Instagram page, I certainly post additional kind of tidbits, other awesome. resources available, um, sharing some of how my experiences have integrated with things that I'm sharing with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll post kind of other people's inspiring stories as yeah. part of the giveaway, um, yeah. to show that there's a whole kind of variety of ways to live your best life after amputation. Yeah, right. That's excellent. So we have Instagram, Lindsay Boudreau coaching and lindsayboudreau.com is your site where there's a free guide, um, for anyone to access for the top 10 tips in moving forward after an amputation. That's great. Thank you for offering all of this free stuff and free support to people. Um, But of course, if you want, if you know someone or you yourself would like to hire her, go to those two places, get a feel for who she is. Um, She seems pretty cool to me. And (laughs) (laughs) thanks. I wasn't fishing there, but thank you. Anyways, I so appreciate you sharing your story. I can imagine that for some, it may be a hard thing to talk about. Um, so the fact that you are sharing your story and helping others through the same um, situation is just so much, so admirable and super inspirational because it really makes you put your life into perspective when you hear these stories, um, you know, and understand there's always a story behind every person, no matter what, no matter what they perceive to look like, what you think they look like. And, you know, um, they could seem like they have the perfect life when in actuality, there's probably a lot under the surface that we don't know about. No, probably about it. There always is. So um, I guess, I don't know where I'm going with that whole line of thinking other than there's always a story behind somebody. Um, so make exactly. sure that you take the time to get to know someone if you care to, um, and don't just assume that, um, what you see is what you get. Again, I don't know why I said that, but it came into my head. So it came out of my mouth. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> is there anything else you want to share with our listener before I ask you our three important questions that I ask every guest? Yeah, I just, you know, want to make sure that people know, um, that, you know, there are kind of real challenges that come with having an amputation, but that absolutely doesn't mean that your life is over. Um, right. And in fact, for me, like it gave me life. Um, Cause I, you know, would have otherwise died from the infection. And so making those mindset shifts shift, yes. Can help break that hopelessness um, that can arise and that, you know, there are so many different people who have really kind of triumphed after having amputation and 
that's available to anyone, right? Kind of regardless of what their past life was like. And so I just want to instill that little bit of hope. Right. And again, I'm going to say inspirational and you're right. Um, It's just the way we look at things. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at your amputation as life giving um, and that will serve you well moving forward. And it has because now you're helping people in the same position. Um, and that's going to be so rewarding to be able to help someone through what you've gone through and see them come through the other side with all of that hope like you have. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was so great to talk to you. I do have three more questions though. Yep. (laughs) Okay. When you are at your most peaceful, when you're feeling your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? It's really taking those small moments and cherishing them. Moments, Um, small moments. Like Like what do you, like, what do you mean when you're maybe your gratitude, feeling gratitude for something? Yes. Yeah. I think even, you know, a couple of nights ago, I was busy doing things around the house and just out of the corner of the eye, this gorgeous sunset was there. And I just took a moment, like looking at every different color shade and just really kind of connecting in that moment to the beauty that was there. Becoming completely present and seeing beauty that is nature. Exactly. It's amazing when you, that also makes me, when when I have those moments, always makes me feel so, in a good way, small, you know, like, wow. this is a miracle. Like I get to that point where I'm like, how on earth am I living right now as a human on this? I get really philosophical. (laughs) Like, I can't believe I am able to watch that bird fly into my yard. It's beautiful. Like who made that bird? Like, that's amazing. Yes. (laughs) Colors of the sunset. It's like, how lucky are we that we're able to witness something so beautiful? And it happens every night. Like we get to see that every day. Yes. yes. I get it. Totally get it. Um, okay. <laughs> a book. Could you recommend a book to our listeners? Perhaps something that was life-changing to you or, and if you don't read and you don't really have a book, it's really okay. Um, yeah. But you know, a lot of the, the guests that I've had on have something potentially they have read one thing that really clicked with them at that moment in time and just sort of changed their life. Do you have anything like that you could share? Oh, there are so many. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with. It doesn't have to. Limb loss, obviously, but um, there's a book, Shelter Me by Juliet Fay, who's local to Massachusetts as well. And um, it, the main character is, you know, experienced a significant traumatic loss uh-huh. And just how she utilizes her own internal strength as well as her community to really overcome. And, you know, novels don't normally kind of hit the same way as maybe like an inspiring memoir or things like that. But it they do for really some. Like, yeah. yeah. In, in that moment, it was like, wow, like this actually has, you know, really helped put that right. into perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you saw yourself in that main character. Yeah, that there was yeah. something that 
you know, I could resonate with, even though absolutely you know, I lost with something different completely from mine. Right. Thank you. And it's called Shelter Me. Yes. And the author was who, Julia? Juliet Fay. Juliet Fay. Thank you. Yep. All right. Last question. You ready? Yes. If money wasn't an object at all, what would you be doing? Um, I would love to open a retreat center. So that Me way too. I could. <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to have really a big, want... huge, big, huge home with multiple bedrooms and bathrooms on the beach, all retreat all the time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so similar, but, you know, I would really want to focus on, you know, making things accessible for people with, you know, a whole variety of abilities and kind of conditions and have it be more for people who have gone through kind of various medical things, whether it's, you know, limb loss or cancer, um, other trauma, that sort of thing to really create a healing space with yeah. that community of other people um, who also share a similar journey. My next goal is um, I do retreats and um, I've done two, I should say. <laughs> I'm the next I'm still doing them. Yeah. I, I'm shaking my head, everyone, because if you know me, you know that I'm joking about how I'm an expert. Um, but anyway, my next retreat was to be. It was, I was, my goal was last October, but that didn't happen, um, was to be for um, breast cancer survivors. That was my next retreat. So that'll happen one of these yeah. days, um, but I'm looking forward to that. So what, if you ever find that retreat space, you, you just give me a call and I'll do what I can and help. <laughs> I love it. Certainly. Yes. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. Um, it has been really such a pleasure to get to know you. And I'm um, looking forward to checking out your Instagram. I will start following you um, right when we hang up. Um, so when you see that weirdo following you on Instagram, it's me. It's me. Um, <laughs> and it'll be like three seconds after we hang up. So <laughs> it's all okay. It's good. And everyone else, if you are interested in Lindsay's story, you know someone or yourself who could benefit from her uh, expertise or her services, you can follow her on Instagram, Lindsay Boudreaux Coaching. You can also visit her site for that free guide of the top 10 tips in moving forward after an amputation at lindsayboudreaux.com. Again, all of this will be on the podcast notes. Um, if you're really interested, pull over and read them. <laughs> but it's been such a pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you so much for finding the time to come on and record with me. I love your story and I love your inspiration and hope that you offer. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Stay warm. Yes, <laughs> you as well. Thanks. And everyone else, I'll be back in just a sec. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. 
And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.